will love it if we Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, wherever you may be listening. This is Action Replay Extra Time Podcast. I'm joined here today by Breen McGinn and Billy Keenan, and we're going to be looking at Ireland's Six Nations. We're going to be looking at the weekend's football action, including Christian Benteke's Olympic diving opportunities. And we're also going to be having a look at, we'll start with, firstly, Conor McGregor's loss to Nate Diaz at UFC 196. What do we think of it, lads? I, I basically said to whoever was awake at that time and on via <laughs> Facebook, basically what, what his speech after it was, he lost too much energy. I think he, I think he totally missed. He just, he kind of underestimated the the weight jump. Mm-hmm. His pride was his downfall, like many tragic heroes, you know, in in Macbeth or whatever, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. His pride, his pride was got ahead of him. Because uh, in the first round, he was a hundred percent right. Them punches would have put down a normal featherweight. Yeah, would have put down probably a lightweight, depending, maybe not to Sanyos, but a lot of light um, lightweights. Well, but uh, I I just thought, you know, the second round he came out and he was sluggish. I thought he had the hands down, you know, trying to do his little Anderson Silva kind of. He talks of, a lot, yeah. He, he seems to get, he seems like a lot more confident in the in the octagon. Like, yeah. I know he's already extremely confident, is, but he is like, he was kind of like doing a bit of that Anderson Silva where he's dodging, trying to like, you know, hands down, dodging punches. Um, I, I think he, he did throw some massive shots. Oh, did you, know? did you see under the, the right eye? Yeah. I, I thought, you know, if he could just, I thought he was going to, it was done in round two, but I thought it was going to go the other way. I thought mm. he was going to finally put him away, but his energy was just zapped. And he, he was right because he was throwing, he threw maybe six or seven, you know, um, kicks that didn't come off. And mm. these, these some punches, were he, they were only catching his arm. They were being blocked. And he was putting his full his full force behind him. And, and at, at that weight, when, when you go up, what, 25 pounds? 25 pounds. Well, originally, he would have already been cutting for 155. Yeah, I suppose. So, so t- 10, 15. Been, yeah, yeah. He would have been already... I think that's a better way for him anyway, because when he looks... When you see him cut for 145, he looks, like, really oh, sick. The like, difference looks, between this fight and the and uh, Aldo, that was outrageous. Yeah. The picture, salad versus steak. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, exactly. like, it is abs- <laughs> absolutely outrageous how, how it's the same person, you know? Yeah. He looks sick when yeah. he was fighting Aldo, and we all thought that Aldo looks sick, but when you when you see what McGregor is now, jeez, uh, that was... You know, it's not healthy. It isn't. It's it's. Yeah, I get the energy bit though. I get what you're saying with the energy because you're when you're more when you put on that much more weight, especially twenty five pounds, you're not going to be able to burn the same kind of energy mm. that you will be at a lot a lot of weight. You know, it's 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 no wonder like you know you see boxing and stuff. The big heavyweights they're not as they're not as burning as much energy as yeah. um you know Manny Pacquiao or Floyd Mayweather. But what I, what I thought was he was hitting them with some big shots, but I just think. I don't think people are looking into like that left hand that Diaz got him with, and it hit him like you see him. It got him like right in the jaw, and you could see him rock for a little bit. Yeah. First time we could see him kind of wobbly. And that was Diaz the turning point. For the kill. Yeah. yeah. He was hitting one twos. Then he hit two or three of them in succession in in about within about fifteen seconds. You know, mm. and that 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 was I. You could see that the tide was turning. I I was worried then and. Inevitably, McGregor fell. He had to go for. The, he had to go and try and he take him down because he was getting. He was getting pounded. On yeah, his feet. slaughtered on on his feet, and you know, Diaz. That's what he wants. He wants to be on. He, like, I think his la- his last you know win that wasn't a decision. I think was a. Su- I think was a submission. Mm. Uh, so that, that's what. Like he did the most submission victories. 
in presently uh, the most admission victories amongst active fighters in the UFC. Yeah. So this shows you like he's he's um if he gets like an inch he definitely goes and takes it. Yeah, oh, that's that's what he want. He wanted to be on the ground for 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 most of it, and uh, he. He he basically put McGregor into a trap. I hit mm. like people underestimated Diaz. He was three to one, you know, mm. and uh, even the bookies underestimated him. Like Diaz has his frailties. Like he goes in and he doesn't he doesn't care. Like he he's just no. he wants. It's like it's he a brawls. proper brawl. Yeah. It's a proper brawl, and it's it's not like he takes the right procedures in in showing victory. Let's say he just it's he wants like it's an exciting fight if Diaz is in the ring, yeah. no, no matter who he's fighting. Well, that's why they made the fight. The first exactly, match, and know? the smack talking from the back and forth, and uh, just it, it was a match made in heaven. Uh, mm. We just wished, on the Irish perspective, it was a better result. But you know, fair play to Nate Diaz. He said, I, "I'm not surprised." Like everyone in the whole arena was shocked. Everyone, you could hear Joe Joe Rogan, "Oh my god!" Like you know, <laughs> "Oh my goodness!" I know he doesn't say, "Oh my god!" Oh my goodness, and. Uh, Nate Diaz, his first words, I think, were yeah, not that doesn't it doesn't surprise me or something yeah, like that, you know. Yeah. So it definitely surprised everyone else. But I think that's part of being in, like a fighter as well. Surely you have to kind of like think like that, don't you? Like you have to. Oh yeah. Be completely self confident, even if you're not. Because I mean, like when you think about it, it's cage fighting. It's not like snooker, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, Golf you, etiquette. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <coughs> um, so I, I'm assuming you have to have that. You have to have that bravado and that confidence. And you know, I think when people sometimes when people expect them to act like normal athletes like it's these guys you got to understand they're wired differently to a certain extent like you know they're going and they're going in and kneeing people in the face and, and kicking people yeah they, they go into an octagon and yeah physically beat each other <laughs> i know I they know. are wired differently. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly and you know talking about mcgregor talking about energy you know i mean your energy is obviously going to be a bit messed up when you're fighting at five o'clock in the morning yeah. so you know <laughs> so that's going to mess you up but also i thought it was interesting and i heard a phoebe was saying this is that you know, he's talking about energy and, you know, he very much decided to go with this, that that was his key word to, in all of his ans- answers, you know, efficiency and energy. But he was talking about energy and how Diaz was, was more efficient with it, like two rounds into a, a five-round fight. Mm. You know, okay, yeah, he's moved up his weight and he, yeah. he put on the guts of 11 kilos over three months, which is incredible. But at the same time, you know, talking about talking about energy and and not being particularly efficient with it two rounds into a five round fight like what happens you know if five went, rounds yeah. in what's what's yeah, he do i can yeah. see yeah the, the, uh, the argument there is he he put all his like he, he like diaz was all hitting with a few jabs in the first round and you could see it you know mcgregor was not he was not tapping and trying to go for for mm. points in boxing you mm. know he wasn't he wasn't trying to just land punches for the sake of landing punches he was trying to knock him out in the first round yeah he definitely was and, he was swinging for the fence but I, he totally misjudged I, I i think he'll learn from it i think he it will be a while before we see him if ever go back up to 170 uh, yeah. i think we can will see it i think eventually i think if he has a four four month training regime under like at 170 planning for 170 maybe he'll fare much better you know mm. he was you know two weeks it, it was an excuse it was going to be excuse if he lost to Chad Mendes as well when, when Aldo pulled out as well and he won yeah. you know but there but is he didn't really seem to be making up excuses for his which loss is, like they seem very specific I salute him like for that like energy yeah. and inefficiency like he definitely seemed to analyse it and break it down on an actual technical level rather than oh I came in undercooked or I came in um, a bit heavy like he seemed to be really he took the loss but I think I think he gained a lot more respect in the feat than what he would have if he had won you know because we've seen a completely different side of him where he's more humble he's more um, he's more accountable for his losses I suppose I, I completely agree like you know I, I, I think most people who 
wouldn't be a fan of him. Would like to see how he how he reacted, and he he probably shut up a lot of people. There was a lot of hate hate talk on on Facebook, Twitter, and all that, saying you know uh, I'm delighted he lost. You know, bad mouth. You know, it's not a way to you know be a champion and all this. Here, you know, he's too too the pride is too high, which it is. But you know, and I know um, McGregor hates this kind of comparison with Muhammad Ali, but it's the only person I can think of that I can you can relate to someone who smack talks but talks. You know, usually gets the job done when mm. he when he predicts mm. what what happens and and all that. But M- M- Ali lost a few fights as well, you know. So <laughs> Tyson lost. You know, Tyson lost. Won. All these people lost. Uh, so it, it's it's it. They all bounce back like uh, like champions, and I think that's what uh, McGregor will do the same. And I don't know, he hates it as well, the comparison with Ali, but it is very similar to the way that their two careers are kind of going. Mm. Well, the man Lorenzo Freda, the, the owner of UFC, he yeah. kind of said he was immediately, after maybe two fights or so, he was just like, this guy could be our version of Muhammad Ali. Yeah, it, and, it's uh, true. Uh, but it was he was right when he was asked by that reporter, like, uh, you, who's your inspiration? There's a lot of people comparing you to Muhammad Ali. And he said, don't don't compare me to Muhammad Ali. That That's not right, you know. Mm. And uh, it was probably one of the most gracious and, uh, and humble um, McGregor comments back in a press conference, yeah. but uh, it's yeah, you kind of have to make the comparison comparison because it's looking like he, if his career keeps going the way it is going, if he doesn't you know underestimate his weights and if he if he picks the right fights and if he if he wins and keeps on winning, it's cause he talks a lot of smack just like Muhammad Ali did. Mm. I think it's right that you can make the comparison, you know. Well, there's a lot of proposed fights, so they're thinking UFC 200 is going to be their big match yeah. event. Um, UFC 100 was one of the biggest fights I think they had ever. They had uh, Brock Lesnar. There was um, there was a lot of different people. Michael Bisping, Dan Henderson. There was a huge amount of fights in that card. I'll actually have to. It's, I don't have it in front of me, but I remember it being a very big fight. Um, but this card as well, he, he's almost certain to be on UFC 200. Yeah. Who would you like to see him fight? He's been talked. There was Robbie Lawler was on the table beforehand. Now it's Jose Aldo, Rafael dos Anjos, Frankie Edgar. Who would you like to see him fight in his next fight from here? Um, just the way he responded to uh, Aldo's tweet straight after the defeat, he didn't mention Frankie Edgar, and that would be I think that would be the most interesting fight. Uh, just simply because Edgar deserves it, deserves a, a crack at the belt, in my opinion. Hmm. Um. I think it's gonna go to Aldo, uh, just just because he seems like he wants it now. He's come out publicly and admitted. I I'm not sure what the status with the Sanios is, mm. um, medically and you know with his with his broken foot. W- will he make? I I'm not sure what the date is. I don't think a date has been set for two hundred, but uh, I think, I think it's gonna. I don't think he'll go to Robbie Lawler. I after what what happened. No. I, I I strongly if he won maybe. I still don't. I think he'll have to defend his belt first. Uh-huh. Before he fights either at lightweight, or but they even want him to go up against Robbie Lawler in the sense that they're just after taking a massive hit in that the UFC star boy Conor McGregor is just after losing, you know, notorious, um, you know, his renown just after taking a bit of a hit. Would they maybe put him up against someone weaker? Because if if McGregor loses exactly again, a lot of momentum out. goes out of yeah. it. I mean, yeah, they were maybe talking about Robbie Lawler for UFC two hundred, and and that would have been a, a huge fight pay per view, you know. Uh, gay tickets and, and everything but if McGregor loses another fight then sh- surely you know a lot of steam comes out of the UFC and I think um, in, in the sense that you know they were going to build it up to be this huge Robbie Lawler fight but in, there, there might be you know a diamond in the rough here in the sense that now they've got Nate Diaz and they can add the fact that he's beaten Conor McGregor mm. to all the hype yeah. for his next fight mm-hmm. and they can also uh, they everyone loves an under, underdog and, and a, you know a redemption story in the sense that they can now you know 
spiel Conor McGregor out to be c- coming back from adversity. So, yeah, you know, um, I I agree with I agree with the Nate Diaz thing. You know, he was he was the fifth welterweight, you know, contender, and that's not miles away. Mm. And this win at one seventy, I know it was McGregor's first fight, but I think his next fight should be if he wins, he gets he gets a shot at at the, at the title. Mm. At that weight. Well, see, I think what will happen is it's because he's, he's raised a couple of interesting points, and I think boxing and MMA is one of those rare sports where the guy who actually deserves it doesn't always get the fight. Yeah. So Frankie Edgar should have got the fight ahead of Chad Mendes. Yeah. You know? Oh, most like certainly. He, he way back, and then he probably should, after he, he demolished Mendes, and he probably should have got the fight against Aldo. But you know, McGregor was the one that was coming through and had all the hype behind him and all the knockouts, so they gave it to him. Um. And I think it's the same here. I don't think Frankie Edgar will get it even this time because I think what they'll do is they'll probably do... Nate Diaz's stock has never been higher than it is right now. Yeah. So they'll probably put him up against Los Anjos and they'll put Aldo against McGregor. They'll have both of those guys going at it. Um, but yeah, they'll. Uh, I think it'll be interesting because I think the winner if of the McGregor and Aldo fight, I think they could actually... If, if it's Aldo, I think he'll continue. He'll get his belt back to defend his belt. Yeah. I think with McGregor... He could use it to face the winner of Dos Anjos and Diaz, so he could have you know a rematch there. But it'll be very interesting to see um, what happens. But we'll move on from the UFC now. We're moving on to the football. Very big weekend in the uh, English Premier League. Um, Arsenal Spurs, even though it was a draw, it was one of the games of the season. Um, what yeah, are your thoughts on it? second half of the season, in my opinion, I thought. No, London derbies tend not to disappoint. It's uh, they're they're absolutely fantastic. Like Danny Danny Rose, you know he. <sighs> Harry Kane's goal just—it was just, just Lost the two the two young boys like just fant- <laughs> and then they didn't win like it was it was back and forth and the sending off then the two goals nearly straight after it within ten minutes they're they're in he- they're ahead even though like Spurs should have been in front in the first 10-15 minutes they had a few chances of golden opportunities they got a ball cl- um, cleared off the line as well during the duration of the match they're gonna feel like that is an opportunity dropped even though they went one 0 behind. Uh, Sending off to Coughlin shouldn't have made the tackle, in my personal opinion. Uh, reckless. Re- reckless, and 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 also, you know, at that stage of the game, you're you're after scoring just before half time, and maybe five five seven minutes after half time, you're just trying to kind of solidify what you have until you maybe make another push for another. Uh, if that's the mentality you want to have at White Hart Lane, and uh, uh, it was just not the right thing to do. Like you could say, it's it's all in hindsight. Uh, he'll be disappointed with himself. He's been a fantastic player when he's been fit this season, Francis Coughlin. Mm. Uh, he's but, really been the glue that's held them there together. Like he's, I know Flamini came in and he was kind of covering there. For uh, a bit. Yeah, and they've, they have kind of tried with Wilshire as well mm-hmm. defensively, but he both of those guys. Well, Wilshire's been out and Flamini's just been overlooked by Coughlin. But Coughlin is he's really kind of made it his own. But he's still, I suppose, it's the one position on the field where you would expect someone to come in and maybe be a bit reckless. Be yeah, a bit of an exactly. The, the fellow who gets the yellow, you'd expect the yellow card by the end of the game. Yeah. Nearly every game, he yeah. he's out every six or seven games with that five yellow card rule. Yeah. Well, there, there was that thing, wasn't there, earlier on in the season with, <coughs> with Kurt Zuma before he got injured? Um, it was kind of that thing. It was like he he played something like seven hundred minutes without making a foul. Yeah. And it was like, is that a good thing or a bad? <laughs> Thing, you know it's exactly yeah I, I, that's 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 a great statistic yeah for a center half who who does make these last ditch tackles as well mm. um but going back to Cochrane like the last 10 years we've talked about Arsenal and the conversations come up maybe two or three times every year what do they need to be a title winning side and I always looked at Giroud that's been the number one yes. thing it, it, every paper, since like every, yeah. Adebayor is gone and, and it's, it's been a few years but they haven't had a, a good striker and it took him a year or a year and a half to really get into some bit of form Giroud mm. but I think defence midfielder 
maybe even centre half but defence midfielder most people would have said that they've needed for a long long time a backbone yeah. they had it with Alex Song for a season and then he went to Passo. Barcelona but uh, it, that's that's what they've been missing and, and it's good because Francis Cochran before this season maybe before even last season no one really heard about him what, what was he like and Wenger did give him the, the chance to kind of thrive in that defensive midfielder position and it's worked mm. but uh, he made a mistake and hof- hopefully that doesn't for that for their perspective it doesn't like you know hinder their title chances but it, it might mm. so we've got we've roughly got eight or nine games to go depending on which team um, Tottenham I felt like had more momentum in the game just because um, that obviously Harry Kane shot was cleared off the line. Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously the red card didn't help, but they, just, they really seemed to rally, and I think they took a lot of the momentum out of that game. And Leicester, what we've seen since they lost to the Gunners um, a couple of weeks ago at the Emirates, they've kind of been a bit patchy. I mean, I know they won on the weekend, but they had a draw against West Brom the week before. They just scraped by Norwich. Yeah. How do we see the t- City uh, tied up with Champions League? You know, they're going to, I'm assuming tonight, as of tomorrow, they're going to go up against Kiev. Um, we assume they're going to go stroll into the um, the quarterfinals from there. So that's going to be another um, big test for them. How do we see the title race unfolding now? Um, well, everyone has a different scenario, you know. You've got Leicester, who just have the Premier League to focus on. You have Tottenham, who have the Europa League, two legs against Dor- a good Dortmund side, who drew, drew with Bayern Munich at the last weekend. Mm. Uh, Arsenal, Arsenal have, have the FA Cup over in the Champions League. Yeah, they have a they have a, a replay against Hull coming up, I believe. Yeah. So th- they only have one more game against Barcelona. I would be surprised if he started a full strength side. Do you think they just? I don't. I, I don't think you're winning at, at the I new camp. The fa- going out with the fans though. Yeah, it's it's a tough one because the last time they went to the new camp, it was under controversial circumstances. They were taking over a lead at, thanks to Arshavin at the Emirates and. Van Persie got sent off for absolute BS. You know, mm-hmm. it was the second yellow. He kicked the ball maybe th- two seconds after referee blew the whistle, and it was a really raunchy atmosphere. That the it was it was loud and it was hostile. And he was pointing to the crowd. He was like ninety thousand fans. You know, yeah. how am I supposed to hear you to the ref? The ref yeah. sent him off, and they they inevitably lost the game. I thought they had a great chance to win. Uh, that was when Van Persie was, you know, one of the best strikers. Exactly, yeah. That was when, and and when you go down to ten powers, men, only yeah. Chelsea can uh, pull off a result <laughs> at, at the new <laughs> camp with ten yeah. men. No, no, but uh, I, I think they, they, they can't. They, there's, I don't think you're going to win even with a full strength side. Um, at, at the new camp, two 0 down, two away goals. You have to win by three. There's no way that's happening. And I think Wenger should. He's wise enough to know that. I, I think I think that game, you don't really count that. I think the they have to go to Hull now in the FA Cup. I think that's a bit of a, you know, it's a it's a it's a huge stepping stone if they if they win. That's another three games that they're in a quarter final potentially. And and you know, three in a row in the FA Cup does sound pretty cool. Maybe that does. They they will put they will put near maximum effort towards that competition. So they're they're kind of uh, they're not fully focused on the Premier League. And then Man City, sure. They're true to the next round in my eyes, uh, unless an absolute catastrophe happens in key in um, Manchester. in Manchester. Yes, so that's another two games after this. So Leicester they have the easier schedule. Tottenham have a difficult schedule, and Arsenal don't have the easiest schedule, and they all have the other teams that are. Well, this is very interesting to me because I don't I can't remember a, a season where literally the top seven teams were not even sure if they're going to get the top four at this stage. In the yeah, season. usually it's Any near of these set teams in stone. Could literally drop out of the top. The top four three is usually set in stone, and like you know, yeah, United. Least, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's Which usually what we have is the top two will at least be about fifteen points <laughs> clear of fourth yeah. place. You know, but now it's like it's 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 ten points clear between Leicester and Leicester. Uh, you know, it's kind of. They haven't. Luckily, um, they've been very 
really, really lucky with injuries. They haven't had any, you know. They've That's true, the yeah. 18, 19 people for most of the season. Um, but even Arsenal, Arsenal had three points clear, two points clear at top four. And Tottenham, you know, as you said, have a difficult run as well. They're only five points clear at top four. And you've got West Ham, United, Liverpool lurking. And West Ham look like a good side that yeah. don't seem to be turning they off. Only have, their only concentration is on the league now. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they, I don't think there's any pressure on West Ham, you know. Fifth is... If Spiegs time got them, got them, you know, in a contention for fourth, he'd be still here, you know. And going into a new, st- there's a lot of there's a buzz around West Ham right now, and I could see them going really close for top four. I don't think they'll get it. I think Man City have too much. I think Arsenal have too much from, but you never know. <laughs> Dave, I, I've said that all season, and look, they're still in this position. But uh, mm. going back to Leicester, we heard Eamon Dunphy's comments on. They're a bunch of journeymen and they don't have enough to win the league, even though they, what is it, a five, five point gap five above? Five point gap, yeah, above nine games to go. Nine games to go, and their next six are relatively handy, you know. Uh, but well, they had, remember they had that nightmare schedule over Christmas yeah. where they had to face Tottenham, Chelsea, mm-hmm. they had to face United, Liverpool, like they all had like all of them. And they dropped the points against the two easy teams in that 12 game run. It was yeah. Bournemouth, at a, they, they drew at home, I think. No, they drew away and they. Mm-hmm. They uh they drew with Aston Villa as well um at at home as well but uh that's that's what I think I think they're better as the underdogs uh and the, the one one thing I would say Claudio Ranieri is a great manager uh even at Chelsea I really really admired him I don't think it was unfair even though Jose Mourinho was the greatest manager of all time at Chelsea I think Ranieri could have felt hard done by but uh that one thing is he could never put Chelsea over the line it's it's that's going to be one you know f- uh, kind of the aura floating over him mm. can he do it so that's his own personal battle that he has uh it's going to be it's it's not over yet I don't know who could win I can't call it yeah it's it's, it's going to be very interesting now going out in the stretch it's um I mean Leicester are obviously five points clear they'll be the favourites but I mean we've seen if we just even go back to Liverpool two seasons ago they had eight points with five games yeah <laughs> Unless have a five-point lead with nine games to go, so literally anything could happen, um, and it'll be very interesting. I do think West Ham. I think are a sneaky good bet. I actually actually backed them at eight to one. I know you don't really like it. It's not really professional to bring on your personal your your betting uh, your, <laughs> your t- thing, but Jackal Two's tip of the day. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but I just think like they're, they're the ones that are not going to have because United are going to play Liverpool now in the, yeah. in the Europa League. You know, City are uh, are sole focus. They've already won the Premier League a couple of times now, so their sole focus is on the Champions. And they have a new manager coming in and I, I think yeah. Pellegrini's just trying you know they'll remember him if he's the manager who brings them the furthest in the Champions League I think that's what their his objective is mm. which isn't right I think they had a, a golden opportunity to win this league with the squad they have I think in contention they have the best squad in in the Premier League they have their frailties at centre back you know mm. companies come back in but it just seems like they don't have that drive you know 4-0 is not telling the whole story against Villa at the weekend at home like Villa would be in my eyes at the same level as a mid-table championships team, along with like you know Leeds, Reading. Well, they will, oh, be, a yeah. they will be a mid. Yeah, it's, it's only inevitable unless uh, Andy Lerner leaves. But uh, yeah, it's I I don't know. I I just don't think that was the right decision to tell Pellegrini. You know, we're bringing another manager in when they're only a few points off top. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he has still has half a season left. He has he had three trophies to be contending for. Four trophies, you know, he was still in all four competitions. So, uh, but uh, that's you know that's the way it goes in Man City. They've Pellegrini, or they have Guardiola coming in, and they're looking at next season. Obviously, they're they're calling writing an X over the Premier League this season. It's it's mm. not, it's kind of sad, but that's that the way not, it goes. That more of a reflection on Pellegrini. Should he not want to leave Man City with three more trophies in his cabinet? Though, yeah, yeah, he has one. He does. But the one thing that Man City 
Definitely a fake hope. It's the, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that, that, that was disgusting. They just put out like literally. They they just said, right, we don't really care about this competition. I was looking forward to that game so much oh. again for Chelsea Man City. I was like, this is gonna be a bit of a cracker if they start a good team because we haven't a, the best of records against Man City in previous City years. Pumped them three 0 Exactly, the absolutely destroyed them. It could have been a lot more, but uh. It's that was really sad. Uh, I just think he wants to leave a bit of a legacy. You know, Pellegrini was the man. He was the kind of the trendsetter to get us break that barrier in Europe, get us past the the last sixteen in Europe, maybe into semi final. I could see Man City reaching the semi final uh-huh. if they get a decent draw. Uh, probably they won't. They won't know what they're looking. Yeah, yeah, exact same result. Exactly. Like. But uh, you know, if that's what he wants to do, maybe he feels a bit hard done by. By the owners, by the chair, that the hierarchy of Man City to. I think I definitely got by. Yeah, but maybe he maybe he sees another job opportunity. Chile as well, you know. There's been question marks over his yeah. native's uh, native country's job. Uh, he was one they of the. Quite well, they won the Copa America. Yeah, they won the Copa America, but the the manager was like the favor for Chelsea job for a while. I think he wants to try Europe. He wants uh, to give a stab at Europe. But maybe that's what he wants to do. I don't know because even Claudio Ranieri has been linked with the Italy job after Conte if he leaves mm. in, after the Euros he said he, it would be hard for him to turn down a, a job so maybe the Premier League isn't what it's, what it's made up to be anymore maybe there's more important jobs out there <laughs> um, yeah well I think that the money would still be hard to turn down but I guess, <laughs> I guess it's the absolute loan that money but um, yeah I understand what you're saying um, before we just move on to rugby we'll just get your top four prediction for this year order yeah uh, Leicester I I've doubted them all season, and I think it's time to finally give them the the green light. Yeah. Uh, then again, they'll probably. Uh, You've just jinxed it. I've just jinxed it. <laughs> <laughs> but sure, it's already a success for them. I don't I, like it, they're top four. That's yeah. That's, but I mean, this, at this stage, they're five points clear. Like uh, five points clear. I I think the last like Chelsea's like still have Radieri going on about oh, we just want to make forty points. You know? Yeah, Ever, like, Everton, Man United, and Chelsea. Do they have much to play for in the Premier League? Their last three 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 games of the season. You know, I don't think one of them is going to well, want United to. Might have maybe, but four. I. I highly Chelsea doubt. Won't. No, no they won't. won't. So, I don't know. I think I think they have the easiest schedule. I think um, they have the momentum. A one nil victory away to Watford is it's an outstanding victory. Mm. As uh, it was a boring, dull game, but they win ugly. They win ugly, like champions. You know, they, they mm. should have bet West Brom. It was a fantastic free kick by Craig Gardner. Absolutely spectacular. You know, to draw. They should have won that game, though, in my opinion. But I think. If they keep, you know, one nil, two ones along the way, I think they're in first. Well, I'll phrase it to you this way then, because Leicester's top, Arsenal's second, I'm sorry, Tottenham's second, Arsenal's third, and City are fourth. Do you see any change in that order or anyone breaking into that top four? Um, Maybe Arsenal going into second. I think that's still... Uh, it's going to be closer than five points. I don't, I don't think... I think Leicester... <laughs> If they get to eight points, it, I'll be shocked. I think I I don't think the two teams behind them can falter anymore. Mm. I really don't. I think uh, well, it's we said, that before, we said that before, yeah, as well. But uh, I think Arsenal could pip Tottenham, uh, and I think Man City is. I think it's going to be Leicester, Arsenal, Tottenham, mm-hmm. um, and Man City in fourth. Uh, I don't see. I don't, I see West Ham. Getting close, but not not getting over the line. Sleeping giants thereafter. Yeah. Um. Right. We'll move on to the rugby now. Ireland's have a trip to Rome this weekend. Um. Winless Ireland. Uh. Looking to get our first win of the tournament. Four games in. Um. How do we think we're gonna go, Billy? Surely we have to get our first win here, just for my mental sanity, if anything. Are we going to Rome or is it in the Aviva? Oh no! Sorry, it is in the Aviva. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. We have. Well, we have to get a win. Yeah. You know what? It's it's been too long. 
Mm. It's been too long. We need a win. And uh, I think that we'll definitely get one. And I think we should get a comfortable one with our debutants on the field as well. Uh-huh. You know, Jack O'Donoghue's just been called up to the squad. That's interesting. I think mm. Jack O'Donoghue's been... Uh, been playing quite well for Munster mm-hmm. and I think he definitely deserves you know an, an, even a chance in the camp I think what's great about Ireland at the moment is, though, they're just going to bring him into, like they yeah. brought Ringrose into the camp last year not really intention to play him but he's brought him yeah. to camp I think there are more deserving players already in that squad you know mm-hmm. O'Donnell's after missing out uh, through a, a shoulder he, he's actually injured I think uh, he has a stinger Shocker. that's uh, yeah <laughs> but I, I'd like to see Van der Fleer getting another shot you know maybe there's talks of he's making way uh for Standard to come into number eight, and I think that could definitely, um, you know, may- maybe make a place for uh, so who would come in at six then? Ruddock would probably come in, and, and maybe O'Donoghue onto the bench. But Jordy well, Murphy's still in around the squad, yeah. but that's a that's a lot of inexperience. And uh, the Italians, as uh, as weak as they have become, they're they definitely put it up up to you for the good 60 minutes, you know, even 70. So, I, I think it might be a little complacent to bring Jack O'Donoghue in. But I, what I like about Ireland is that they're almost taking on this role of you know, New Zealand in the sense that. Joe Schmidt is looking at these Ireland camps as actually improving players mm. and that the Pro 12 is a, yeah, a stage to prove that, that you're willing, that, that you're answer, able to, that you're to, to work, yeah. that you're worthy to work. And I think players do genuinely come out of Ireland camp better. Mm. You know, you look at Tyg Furlong, he went in. I definitely, I think he's far from the finished article, but he's come out of Ireland camp and he's been a better player for it. So I, I think Joe Schmidt's definitely, the more players Joe Schmidt gets his hands on, I think the better for Irish rugby. Okay, so ha- tell me how many of these predictions will be right. Josh van der Fleer will retain his spot, Stuart McCoskey will retain his spot and Ulton Delan will be promoted to the starting side. I said it to you a while ago. I'd like to see Ulton Delan maybe eased more into the starting jersey. Okay. A few more confidence builders off the bench. Uh you know, it's only it, it's. I think it's although with Italy, uh, first up, you know, this is the opportunity that he could get to start. Van der Fleer should retain his spot in the sense that he did nothing wrong, and with the likes of uh, O'Brien injured and o- O'Donnell, I think he should definitely uh, mm. keep his spot. McCluskey's harder. Uh, I'd like to see McCluskey get another shot, but. Uh, Payne's back fit and mm. uh, he likes Payne Schmidt likes Payne and uh, you know a little defensive solidity with the likes of Campanaro and uh, Garcia who are Italy's main attacking threats you know mm-hmm. uh, I've said about their back row I've been quite impressed with them in the past but Carlo I think Carlo actually look very very he, good as well yeah at fly half exactly and he should probably be back in the mix as well having been injured but you know you look at that Italian back row uh, Sergio Parise the, the one man show and, and Francesco Minto is going to work uh, until mm-hmm. his lungs collapse but you know Alessandro Zani uh, I, I, I've been really disappointed with him I showed you a clip earlier on in the week of, of, of Zani you know almost hugging a Scottish player mm. and, and you know resulting in a penalty and it was I think those are the margins uh, between a, a fantastic team and, and, a, and an average team but I think definitely it, Italy's threats are going to be in the centres which is why you might see uh, Jared Payne brought back into the 13 jersey Yeah so I, I'm going to have to disagree with you in, in some aspects because what I think at this stage We've never really been, if you think over the last, this decade anyway, I don't think we've ever been in a position where two games to go, we're completely gone, you know, we're completely, uh, you know, out of the competition, haven't won a game, and I think we should actually just take advantage of this, and because we do actually have a lot, I mean, we've seen it at Leinster, when Leinster took, they rested all their players and they gave six or seven debutants to go, they hammered Bath, you know, they absolutely outplayed them and at the, at the ODS, and I think it's what we're, we're waiting for, to me personally, and I, I don't think this is going to happen, and I think it's because of this reason, um, 
international rugby is so important to the Irish rugby union's coffers. Um, it's it's the biggest thing. It's what makes the whole game work in Ireland. It's 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 a top down thing where all the money, the biggest money in Irish rugby is brought in through internationals. Um, whether it be through sponsorship, advertising, merchandise. Um, you know, packed tickets, packed out of Eva doesn't doesn't hurt as well. No, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and I think that they always going to have a responsibility to. And I asked Jamie Kincannon this last night on on Action Replay. Um, whether he thought that does Joe Smith have full autonomy? Um, because we've seen at Leinster and I've seen at some of the provinces, there's been players pulled and stuff like that. You know that have been rested, and that's mainly due to them being on central contracts. But I do think that Schmidt has full autonomy. But I'd really like them to see give them everyone a go. Like I'd like to see McCluskey and Hedge have another crack at uh, centre. I'd like to see Jared Payne be put in a fullback. See how that goes. I'd like to see Delan being promoted. Um, Van der Fleer put O'Donoghue on the bench. Uh, put CJ Stander at number 8 because this is the time to do it we're not going to really have it on the stage next season we're going to have the British and Irish Lions tour you know, everyone's going to be yeah. wanting to play then we're not going to have a time really to experiment you don't want to be going over to New Zealand in the summer and experimenting there because it's just mm. going to get killed if there's ever a time to experiment I think this would be the weekend but I think a lot of big players will be playing because it's at home it's at the Aviva we've got two more games to go um, big big you know, paydays for the Irish Rugby Union and I think yeah. We're more or less going to see uh, a supposed full strength side um, this Saturday. Yeah, I think you're right in the sense that there's a responsibility to, uh, you know, to uphold and even, you know, put out the starters in the sense that, um, you know, it's a responsibility on the IRFU. But having said that, we do have nothing to play for other than the wooden spoon, Pride, yeah. and I do think the wooden spoon is is actually, uh, I. We should beat Italy, so we're not going to get the wooden spoon. But you know, fourth looks a lot better than even fifth or sixth. Yeah. Um. So. Th- okay. No problems. There, there is a responsibility on the IRFU, and you know, I, I think th- they're definitely, you know, positioning wise, fourth does look a lot better than sixth. But it's the Italians at home. Why not give the likes of uh, Delan, McCluskey, and Vanderfleer a chance? And. Is it really a chance when they perform so well against England? Yeah, it's not like is, Delance, is there that it's much of a like worry? Delance, it's not like a handout, you know no. what I mean? Like they, they all perform very it, well. Exactly. They're some of our better performers on the field on the day. So they, I mean, especially Delane, I mean, yeah, I understand. I'm not going to jump to like one cameo appearance off the bench and go, oh, this is the next Paul O'Connor. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to do that. But I do think his perform, uh, in comparison, like Dunnett O'Reilly looked fearless, but he didn't exactly play fearless. Now, whether the opportunities didn't come to him in the game, that's another issue. Um, and I, I've liked. I think Donald Ryan is a good, serviceable player for us. I don't think he's Paul O'Connor, but I think he can do a job yeah. on a day. But I mean, at this stage, he's he's what like twenty nine, thirty. I mean, why don't we get like let's give Delan a shot in a game like this? I mean, uh, I can understand at a later date. Absolutely, I don't think younger players should just be given a shot because they're young. But um, I think at a stage like this, when you've got nothing to play for, I absolutely think it is. Yeah. Um, but we're moving on to the other games. The biggest game of the weekend is obviously England versus Wales. Um, huge game at the World Cup obviously Wales sent England out of the World Cup effectively um, and now you know they're both going to be playing for the Six Nations how do you see this one playing out? It's, it's tough to call you know England England have the grand slam still going Wales don't but they can definitely get the championship it's it's kind of hard there's a lot of momentum and, and you know uh, positivity around this English camp you know it's a very negative camp but there's a lot of positivity about it in England but in the sense but, no positivity about it over here. No, no positivity. <laughs> <laughs> but Wales have a lot of continuity coming into this match. They have mm. a very solid starting 15 and a bench that's improving year on year in the likes of, you know, uh, Thomas Francis and Rodri Jones and even 
you know, they have th- three very good locks in in Bradley Davies, Luke Charteris and uh, Alan Wynne-Jones and the combinations that they put in week in, week out, whether it's off the bench or starting, definitely brings a lot of grunt to that Welsh pack that that should be able to compete with, with the English one. In the past, they haven't. England have been very dominant over Wales in that aspect. But mm. going over to Twickenham, I think England will be happy they're playing in Twickenham. Mm. Um, you know, that could be kind of... Uh, you know, un- underdone by the fact that they actually won in the Millennium Stadium or, or the Principality as it's called. Six, six months ago will play any effect though because there was a Twickenham as well and they were dumped out of it and, you know. Yeah, and I think Wales will be, Wales will take more from that than England will. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of restructuring going on in the England camp. So I think that that match will be more of a factor on Wales' approach than it will be on, on England's. Um, I, I'd like to see, I'd like to see Roberts and uh, Davies testing that that center combination more than Ireland did. Yeah. In in you know I, I think McCluskey was uh he was contained very early on in the first half and he got a few chances towards the second half but I think Davies and Roberts are, are far more effective in, in crash balling it up against a uh, who is a physical Owen Farrell but himself and and, and uh, George Ford they haven't had the time to gel together and uh, I, I think Roberts and Davies can definitely um you know, attack that better than Ireland did. Mm-hmm. And this was this was one thing I was thinking about last night as well was when we seen Wales beat France. It was nineteen three for most of the game. I know France got a late try through Corrado, but France were the better team for the majority of that game. Wales just got a couple of spectacular tries. George North again coming up with another absolute beauty. But I think England. When we look at England. They've dominated. They dominated us last week for, yeah. in terms of possession, in terms of territory, all the all the kind of key statistics. And they did the same against Italy. Scotland was a bit of a mess, but. I think that Wales are actually kind of geared for that as well because, I mean, Wales still came up very handy on the scoreboard despite not having a lot of possession. So I think if England do the same, it doesn't exactly mean that, you know, it's going to lead to, I mean, most of the time, more possession, more territory. It's going to lead to, um, you know, more than likely if you've got a good goal kicker, it's going to lead to yeah, a win. Yeah, more scores. Yeah, more scores, more opportunities. But I, I, t- I think with this Welsh team, they've been proven, even through Gareth Davies, has been phenomenal. I think Reece yeah. Mann's actually going to have a really t- tough time getting back to the field. Definitely. Back in the team. Um, they've got a lot of a lot of game breakers in that Welsh side. So I think even if they don't have a lot of possession, a win is still very much on the table for them because they, they've proven throughout the tournament they can strike from anywhere. Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting that you, you brought up uh, Gareth Davies. You know, Reese Webb was was at the ODS there at the weekend and he, and he played quite well. I was actually at the game and, um, you know, you you and I, uh, Jack, we, we didn't say many positive things about Keen Healy last week, but no. I, I think he had one of his better games. He did. Against, he? Uh, and a lot of people didn't think so. I was at the match and I, I looked back at it again when I got home. It wasn't a fantastic performance. They even addressed that, that he's a long way off that explosive Keen Healy that we saw, that we know and love. But it was a step in the right direction. Mm. And you and I talked last week about, you know, maybe he's a, you know, a couple of average performances on an international stage away from being forgotten about. But then we said he maybe just needs a few performances to get back in the door. And I think that performance against the Ospreys was was a step in the right direction for Keane Healy. That's all we need to see with regards to Keane. I mean, we kind of have been quite harsh on Keane, but it's only because of the expectations that we have of him. Because, like, like, to be honest, at one stage he was... If he wasn't the premier loose head prop in the world, he was definitely in the top two, top three. He yeah. was very much up there. He, had, he was the clear starter for the Lions. And it's that's why we're kind of being hard on him because it's like not the special of our best players. And, you know, um, he's literally, he's not performing at the same level that we're used to. Um, so I, I'm, 
I just and I largely think it's due to injuries. I don't think it's due to attitude. Completely, you're not. Gonna, you just can't expect a player to be yeah. as mobile after the amount of injuries that he's had. Yeah, uh, you know, hamstring, neck, groin, uh, knee, yeah, you know, and ankles. So, you know, he's walking wounded. But I, I was, I was happy with his performance against uh, against Ospreys, and I was also very impressed with Mike Ross's shift. You know, he put in a solid 45, 50 minutes. I Finally, think, provides us some stability yeah, at least when he's on the scrum. I think Ross is actually improving. Mm. Uh, you know, a lot of people are are going against that, but if you look at little things, um, Ross's ability to to get around the corner in defence and plug holes, I was really impressed with that. He's showing more, you know. Okay, it, it was very little, but he's showing more agility. You know, mm. he's a big guy, but his his willingness to, to plug that hole in defense is, is actually commendable when he's carrying the amount of weight he does. And especially when you look at Ross being a player who, you look at him as only being a scrummager mm. because he doesn't do a whole lot. Well, actually, you know, given the benefit of the doubt, look at him. In, in that defensive line, he works very well for Leinster. And mm. uh, they analyzed it in Scudio after the England match that, that Chris Robshaw pass out to Anthony Watson against uh, against Ireland actually came from Mike Roth being tripped coming around the corner. And mm. that space, uh, you know, if he was there, okay, he's a tight head prop coming around the corner, but it, it still counts for numbers. And I think, uh, I was very impressed with Mike Ross. I, I talk a lot about props, but I, I think Mike Ross, <laughs> <laughs> Mike Ross was very impressive against Ospreys. And, and I think... We said it at 36 years of age. I, I think he's still our, our best tight head by, by a country mile. Oh, I, I, I think so. I'm just worried the fact that... I I'm, I think he's... I used to bang on Mike Ross a lot because I just thought he was the most useless ball carry. never got over the game. And I was like, what is he doing the team? <laughs> like, he's literally... Like, we're not doing anything with him. He's just like... He's, he's absentee. He's slow getting around. But he's... You look at his scrummaging. He's always been phenomenal he's always been a completely stable scrummager but and he has over the years I think he's gotten better at defending he's been a, he's putting on bigger hits he's, yeah. he's he's proven solid he's good in the rocks you know he's, he's great he's got a really strong good cleaner so the more you look at him maybe from a glance it's like what is this guy doing he's not doing he's, I haven't seen yeah. him take the one hit up in you know in 60 minutes but when you if you look at him more closely um, I think you, you gain a, a better respect for his game I think at 36 um, it's really is a testament to his, his uh, longevity in the game that he's, he's still around he's still performing at a very high level um, but just before we wrap up today's podcast we'll just get a prediction on Scotland and France um, is is this is France going to have a revival after a seemingly strong start um, I think Scotland couldn't, can maybe look at this as an opportunity to get a win um, but again Scotland you know we, we look back at that Wales, Wales match you know they they put themselves in a position to to win the game and they knocked the ball on very, very uh, sloppily, which is which is disgraceful for an international team. And I'm sure Vern Carter ate the head off them. Um, it'll be interesting to see what side France put out. Um, I don't think we're going to see a whole different twenty three, but I'd like to see Flancar and uh, mm. and Wenceslas Lore still in the team. Uh, Long Goujon off the bench is a very physical player, and I I, I hate seeing them come off the bench because. Uh, you know, as an Irishman, you're just going to get pounded by him for the for the next twenty minutes. He's uh, he came from La Rochelle, kind of out of nowhere, but he's definitely a bit of a ball carrier in that sense. And um, you know, Vakato, I think I don't think Scotland are going to contain Vakato again. Uh, as well as maybe Ireland did, or mm-hmm. even Wales. Well, because Scotland also, they changed that game. They don't really go for a lot of high kicks no. a lot of time. They don't really, the opposite of Ireland's game, they're actually adopting more of a, of a Clermont um, yeah. kind of game plan under under Cotter as well. So, But I do think, after last week, you have to target Vakatao and the air. 
Yeah, I, mean, I I would be definitely tired. I mean, he's a seventh player. And yeah. I said it, you know, why don't you just introduce him to the 15-man game mm. by high balls and pressure? Mm. And uh, Fran, uh, Wales did that very well. You know, he's a slow turner around uh, underneath those high balls. And uh, I think Scotland, with the likes of, you know, Finn Russell and maybe even... Um, Mark Bennett, Stuart Moss. Yeah, they, they, can, they can target Fakatawa, but, you know... It's a funny situation to be in, in the sense that you know Ireland are out of the Six Nations. You know McGregor's after losing, Leicester are top, Connacht are top. <laughs> yeah. The world's just gone the Irish topsy. The, 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 the Irish changing. Irish sporting world has just gone topsy turvy. You know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll see if the GAA have any um if it's going to have any similar impacts because yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it definitely has not been um, a sporting season that's gone to plan. But thanks very much for joining me, Brian McGinn, Billy no Keenan. Yeah, um, this should be up on SoundCloud. You can always get us at DCUFM on SoundCloud. So um, give a listen. We've got we've got a lot of previous episodes there with some with some fairly good interviews as well. But thanks for listening again if you've made it this far. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll be pumping out another episode next week. So thanks very much and enjoy yourself. <laughs> I will love it if we do. Sorry, I'm not here. Oh, well, I wish we are.